0: All right, Kyle, my office tomorrow morning. We talked about this. You're not to do that song right before I get up. Ugh. Now my nose is running. My makeup's a mess. <laughs> All right, few things I have scribbled down on my notes here before we get into the message this morning. Um, yesterday we had a phenomenal time in this room with Caitlin Downs and Scott Fisk, who are now Scott and Caitlin Fisk. Um, <clears throat> super happy for them. That's where the flowers come from. And um, just when, when you get the chance to see them again, which may not be for a while because they're moving to DC, um, but we'll eventually get back here to Minnesota to live. Um, but. Do congratulate them. Reach out to them if you got your, their contact information or something. We had, a, we had a phenomenal time yesterday. We really did. It was just a delight to celebrate with their families. Um, really big deal. Um, need to back up a little bit. Last week we had Aaron Pierce from Steiger in here. Um, phenomenal message. Great time with them. Um, a reminder that their send-off show for their, their band is coming up uh, next Sunday evening. Um, One thing I also wanted to remind you of regarding Steiger. Steiger is a missions organization that we've been supporting for a long, long time. And the way we do that is through giving to Chapel Hill Church missions. So when you give, um, on the drop-down menu, you can select missions and give towards that. And we try to commit to them. Every year we commit to to his mom and dad, we commit to Aaron and his family and to Ben and his family um, that, that we will be able to support them financially a certain amount every year. And so um, you can get involved that way. Um, all right. One more thing that I want to do is I want to just pause for just a second um, and uh, and pray again. Um, because uh, many of you know Dawn Dickey. She is back in the hospital. Um, she went in yesterday Um, she, it, it appears that she has an infection in one of her legs and just to take my word for this, it looks terrible. Um, she's not in good shape and she's really been struggling recently here. So let's just take a moment, uh, and lift up Dawn to the Lord. Will you pray with me? So God, on behalf of our sister Dawn, um, She needs a break. So please, God, just heal her. Encourage her and comfort her. Pray that the treatment she's getting right now will be very effective. And she'll be back home soon. And I just pray for that spirit of discouragement that comes when you continue to have setbacks over and over us to remember to lift each other up in prayer. We know we're all facing stuff. So just bring her home quick, Lord, and um, help this, to be a, this day to be a blessing for her. Thank you for her part in our family here, and we just lift her up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're going to need your Bibles again today, so get out your Bibles, your, open up your Bible apps. If you do not have a Bible, just put your hand up, we'll give you one that you can follow along in. And our ushers are coming by right now with those. Just keep your hand up till they get to you. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not have a Bible of your own, please just keep that Bible and take it with you. All right, and I want to take just a moment to say thank you to all those who who made our Easter services here. Have the impact that they did. Um, I'm not going to attempt to mention everyone by name because I will definitely miss somebody. But I'm very thankful for every single person who served that weekend from our musicians and tech team, to our greeters and ushers, our communion prep team, our coffee team, the kitchen crew on Sunday who did the pancake breakfast, those who served with our children, our staff, and to every single one of you who lovingly welcomed so many visitors into our space here that weekend. Um, Some of them have stuck with us and are now part of our church family, so thank you for that. All right. So we took the last two Sundays off from our series, um, so I want to start this morning by quickly and briefly reviewing where we've been. Um, back at the end of January, when we thought winter was going to end soon, uh, we started a series of messages messages called Unlikely. The intent of the series was to work through a series of Psalms, Psalm 120 through 134, That's referred to as the songs of ascent. These psalms have been sung by the people of Israel on the trail as they've made their way on pilgrimages three times a year to Jerusalem. And we um, are at the end of my message. We're going to sing a song together. We're going to sing this psalm that we're studying today together. There's a really cool arrangement out there um, that Kyle's going to take us through. And it's just going to be an awesome experience for us now to be able to sing one of these psalms together. There have been many, many things for us to learn along the way. um, And not just about the history and culture at the time these psalms were written. Um, We're learning a lot about how Israel spoke to God and what God taught them throughout their history about them and about himself. And I think this has been a very powerful process for us as we consider ways that we can talk to God and listen to God and see God more clearly and see ourselves more clearly as members of his kingdom. As sojourners in our own desert today, We've seen a lot about our journey and our own interactions with God along the way. Who are we as citizens of God's kingdom, members of his family? What have we seen and learned about ourselves from this series of Psalms? Well, let me give you some quick examples. This is a review of the series so far, okay? As sojourners, foreigners to this world's system and values, there are things about us that set us apart as members of God's kingdom and equip us to thrive in this unlikely environment. Psalm 120 verse 1 states that we call to the Lord. That's who we are. Psalm 121 verse 1 declares that we look to the Lord. Psalm 122 verse 1 states that we pursue the Lord. 122:6 highlights the fact that we pray for peace. 122:9 says that we seek the good of God's family. 123:2: we approach the Lord as a servant approaches their master. 124.6, we bless the Lord. 125, 1, we trust in the Lord. 126, 3, we find joy in the Lord. 127, 1, we depend on the Lord. 128.1, we fear the Lord. And Psalm 129, 4, from last time we talked, reminds us that we are protected by the Lord. He cuts the cords of the wicked. This is all descriptive of who we are. And who God is in this relationship we have with God as his people. Today we're going to look at one of the most essential characteristics of God's children. Followers of Jesus. Citizens of God's kingdom. So let's go to our psalm for today. Psalm 130. Psalm 130. And this is what this incredible psalm says to us. Psalm 130. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is an incredible psalm, and this is a psalm that we need to get really familiar with. I encourage you to go back to this one over and over and over and read this one on a regular basis. We're about to gain a lot from these eight verses. And so let's get into it. The psalmist refers to a place in verse 1 call, that he calls the depths. From the depths he cries out to God. This is a place that I know exists. I think we all know that it exists, but I don't think it's one place that we all share. As I read and studied this psalm, I discovered that there were, once again, various interpretations of what this place is. And as I read, I found myself swaying from one interpretation to the next, eventually believing that they were all correct. And so here's where I landed. Some Bible scholars saw the depths of as a reference to sin and forgiveness is going to be mentioned here in this psalm and so you can definitely see the logic there some saw it as a reference to suffering this psalm can be taken as a response to God's love and mercy in the midst of our suffering and i saw a tone of shame in the interpretations of this psalm that i agreed with and so guess where i landed being the true neutral canadian that i am i think they're all right And not just because I'm Canadian. I think this was exactly where I was supposed to arrive. I think this psalm is addressing our condition. Not just one specific aspect of our condition. So come with me on this train for a little bit here. The depths indicate some place far from God. Depths was a term often used in the Bible to refer to the depths of the sea. Which for them was a scary, hopeless place that they really did not understand. We're still exploring the depths of the sea to this day. There was a fear that rose up with the mention of the depths. It was a place that seemed out of God's reach, beyond hope. It was an unknown, insecure place. It was a lonely place. It was associated with evil sometimes. It could seem like we're out of God's reach, out of His sight, beyond His ability to hear us there in the depths. The condition that sin brings on us seems like the depths. The condition that suffering brings on us seems like the depths. The condition that shame brings on us seems like the depths. And so as we walk through this psalm together, connect with it here. You know what the depths feels like for you. So allow that thought, allow that feeling, that emotion to enter this moment for you. Be real and honest about your sin right now. Be real and honest about your suffering. Be real and honest about your shame. Invite God to meet you in that place right now, this morning. Let him and the truth about him reach you in the depths, whatever that looks like for you. The psalmist did, and God spoke some incredible things into that space. Verse 2 speaks of our desire when we find ourselves in the depths We want God to listen to us when we're there in the depths, don't we? We want to know that God hears our voice or is at least aware of what we're experiencing. We want His ears to be open and listening. We want to know that we can trust Him when we cry out. And this psalm reminds us that we can trust Him. The psalmist expresses a plea for mercy. So think back to Psalm 123 from earlier in the series. There we were given a picture of a servant looking to the hands of their master for mercy. We're asking God to hold back from giving us what we truly deserve. The consequences of our sin is what we actually deserve when we hold ourselves up to God's holiness. Suffering feels like we're getting what we deserve sometimes. Shame seems like an appropriate weight that we bear for what we've done. But even knowing what we deserve, we ask God to not give us what we deserve. We want his mercy. And here we go with an incredible outpouring of encouragement God responds to our cry with mercy. God is merciful. That's not just me talking. So here are a few examples of what we know about God from the Bible. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, on Friday, our family was coming from Clearwater on the way back from a rugby game that my son played in out there. And as we're driving along, we, we pass a business just on the, the side of 94. And on their digital board, here are the words, the, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And it's just that reminder, like, this, this is the truth. It's just a great thing for us to know. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31 for the lord your god is a merciful god he will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them psalm 86:15 but you o lord are a god merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness joel chapter 2 verse 13 Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And there are many, many more references in the Bible to God's mercy This is something that we can count on. It's who God is. If he wasn't merciful, he'd punish us for our sin. And if he did, well, there's verse 3 in our psalm. If God kept track of our sins and held them against us, which one of us could stand up against that? Think for a moment about that scenario. In light of every sin you've committed in your life, imagine yourself standing before our holy God and trying to convince him that you're strong enough to stand up under the weight of the deserved consequences of your sin. Is that a comfortable place for you? It is absolutely not for me. That's a place of shame. Some of us carry the weight of shame wherever we go. It's that weight of us standing before God and depending on our own goodness, our own strength, our own wisdom, our own whatever to make up for what we've done. That's an incredible weight to bear. And now maybe you understand why I have this thing up here on stage with me. I just wanted to sink in as much as possible here. This represents our condition and the weight we bear because of our condition. Now convince yourself or ask God's spirit to convince you that the scenario that I just described will not happen. Some of us need to memorize Psalm 130 verses 3 and 4. God put the weight of the things that we've done, if God put the weight of the things that we've done on our shoulders, not one of us could stand up under that weight. And if you think you could, you are deceived. But if you're afraid of not being able to stand up under that weight and you know you're still carrying that weight, you have to let it go. We cannot stand up under the weight of our sin, our suffering, our shame, or anything else that comes with a condition of this world. And we realize that truth in the depths. And that actually makes the depths a pretty good place to be in light of who God is. Sometimes good things happen when we feel separated from God by sin by suffering, by shame, because, verse 4, because with God there's forgiveness, that God may be feared. With God, that weight of sin, of suffering, of shame is lifted so that we revere, we fear Him. In his power rather than fear the weight of our desperate situation. Our goal as God's children is to have more reverence for God's power than we do for the power of our sin, suffering, shame, or anything else. He has ultimate power. And as the verse says, with God there is forgiveness. With sin, suffering, and shame, there is only pain, regret, sorrow, weariness, and a host of other things we were not meant to be overtaken by. All right, let's pause here and review verses 1 to 4. I don't want us to race through this psalm in any way. This is critical to us living in the shalom that God intends for us. The peace that he wants for us. So verse 1 to 4 again. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Okay, the, the depths. see it as our condition: sin, suffering, shame. Don't sit in your condition in silence. Cry out to God from that place no matter how hard it might be to do so. Don't stay there silently. Ask God to hear your voice. Ask God specifically for mercy. Ask him not to give you what you deserve. Acknowledge the weight of your condition. You can't manage that weight yourself. Give it to your father. Give him the weight of your sin. It's too much. You're suffering. It's too much. Your shame, it's too much. We cannot stand under the weight of our condition. But with God, there is forgiveness. He lifts the weight. And so we fear Him. We fear whatever has power over us. And I want the power of God's forgiveness to reign over me. That's the power we want. The power of God's forgiveness is more powerful than the power of sin, suffering, and shame combined. God is all-powerful. All right, now we can move on to the second half of the psalm. Verses 5 through 8. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem his people. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Verses 5 and 6 give us a template for our own personal response to our condition and God's power. The guidance we're given is to wait. We're instructed to expect, to anticipate, to look eagerly for God. Three times in these two verses, we're told to wait. I wait. My soul waits. But this is not about patience. This is about expectation. We hope, we eagerly anticipate God's word, his truth, his promises, his comfort, his peace. And for Israel at that time, his son, The fulfillment of his covenant promise to his people. The word would become flesh and forgiveness and redemption would come through him. And remember this. We have him. We have Jesus. We have his spirit living in us. Forgiveness and the assurance of forgiveness came through Jesus Christ and it's ours. Now look at the level of hope expressed here. Verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. This is obviously repeated here. Watchmen were those who stood guard over the city while the people slept. The threat of attack was real, and so watchmen were necessary. They had a hard job. They had to stay up all night and watch beyond the walls of the city, but they anticipated the arrival of the morning with confidence. Well, duh. Don't you? I mean, the sun will come up again. The light is going to return. Daylight will come. We're very confident of that, like the watchmen were. This isn't referring to them just being afraid that the day was never going to come. They knew it was coming. Well, so will God's forgiveness. He promises to forgive us. Jeremiah 31:34 speaks of God's covenant promise to his people. It says, "I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more." God will forgive his people. First John 1 John 1:9 says, "If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins." And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Ephesians 1.7 tells us that in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is a level of confidence that we can have. That God will hear us from the depths and respond with love, forgiveness, redemption and hope. And now we have a word from the psalmist for God's people. In verse 7, it says, O Israel, O God's people, hope in the Lord. And here's a promise that God's people can cling to. Because then it says, For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Okay, what is steadfast love? It's a loving Kindness. It is a word that is most often translated in English in the Bible as mercy. God sets aside what we deserve and gives us his love and grace instead. What we deserve was applied to Jesus on the cross. We receive God's love because of Jesus. And still in verse 7, with him there is plentiful, there is abundant redemption. Redemption means ransom here. And let me give you a word, one that may be unexpected, to help us grasp the concept of redemption. The word is cutting, as in to cut, to separate something. Remember this verse? Psalm 129 verse 4. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. The wicked ruler of this world is trying daily to burden us with the weight of sin, suffering, and shame. But God, in his steadfast love, has cut the cords that attach that weight to us. That cutting is redemption. We are free From the weight of sin, suffering, and shame, because God hears our cry from the depths, responds in love, and mercifully relieves us of that weight. He separates us from it. And verse 8 continues the promise God will redeem, God will ransom Israel, his people. That's us. And he will be thorough. He redeems us from all our iniquity, all our depravity, the totality of our condition. God has it all covered by his love, mercy, forgiveness, and redemption. And how many of us need to stand on this truth more often? Remember how we started the Resurrection Sunday service? Kyle's saying this, my sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Through the suffering of Jesus, The power of suffering over us has been defeated. We have been redeemed. Redeemed from all of our iniquity. And so out of the depths we cry. God hears us, loves us, forgives us, gives us hope and redeems us. So church, mark this psalm in your Bible. Go back to it again and again. This is the truth about God and the truth about us. Oh, Chapel Hill Church, hope in the Lord. We're going to sing this psalm together now. I love this. This may be a new song for you, but uh, many of you will have heard this on the radio. The words are not new. You know this truth. We just spent half an hour talking about it. So sing it with meaning, whether you know the tune or not. You know the words, sing it out. Let's pray together before we do. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. I have a, a prayer that I want to speak from Scripture. This is from Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. and It says this. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us He will tread our iniquities underfoot. God, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And Father, we praise you and thank you for that reality this morning. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you that we do not have to bear the weight of the consequences of our sin, the condition of our suffering, the incredible burden of shame that we far too often carry with us. Thank you that you have cut the cords of that weight. And I pray for each one that's in this room who is struggling with that weight that they're carrying, whether it's their own sin, suffering that they're facing, shame that they bear. God, will you just affirm for them right now that you have released them from that weight? Help them to put their hope in you. eagerly anticipate your forgiveness. To eagerly anticipate your steadfast love. To eagerly anticipate your hope. Thank you for redeeming us. For calling us your own. For giving us words like the ones we've just looked at today that remind us of who you are and who we are praise you for this praise you for your word we praise you for your son praise you for your spirit dwells in us the assurance of our salvation we do this in the name of jesus christ